down here on this earth heaven will be here then what a day that will be let's talk to the Lord now father we thank you today for your blessings to us oh God what grace you have given what mercies you bestowed upon us asking that you'll speak to our hearts Lord one more time Lord that you'd minister through the word We're just mortals. That's all we are here standing in this flesh. But there's an immortal life on the inside of us. We have heard from eternity. We have come from there and we're going back again. I pray, Lord, you'll bless us in a mighty way tonight. And as we come to the communion service, that you'll bless your people with your presence. In a mighty way, Lord, may we be reminded in the time of foot washing that we're here to serve, to wash the dirt off of another's foot. Lord, to, to encourage one another to serve you with all our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give me just a little more sound up here. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 12 tonight. I want to read from there if you will join with me in this. This uh, scripture reading tonight, just remain standing for a moment. And we always remember, you know, sometimes we, we sometimes rejoice in the word. Sometimes we jump up and we, we stand and we, we will clap our hands. But I want you to remember that's never to be done to a man. That is to be done in honor to the Lord Jesus Amen. So just keep that in mind. This is not about applauding a man and what he said or what he didn't say or how he said it or, you know, something like that. This is about, amen, giving an amen to the Lord Jesus and thanking him for the word. It's an amen that we're given. Amen. So Joshua chapter 24, verse 12. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you. Even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not. And you dwelled in them, and of the vineyards and of the olive yards which he planted, not do you eat. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. 
and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. My, we thank, thank the Lord for his goodness to us and what, what mercy and grace that he has given. I think in there as we was reading of we have things that the Lord has given to us that we didn't even work for. I look looking out over a carpet that was put out in the and the flooring in the fellowship hall and the different things that we didn't work for and we didn't pay for that it was paid for and 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 even the labor was given and the pews that you're sitting on, Amen. That was given to us and the equipment that we use here for our um. Our audio here in the service, and uh, even even the cameras that we have, and the, the whole thing, we didn't pay for them. They were paid for by a man who's a Christian man, but a man I've never met even yet, and yet he's donated a couple hundred thousand dollars to the ministry, and, and sending out mission work, and so on like that. And he's a Baptist believer, but he loves Jesus. And so we, 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 are, we certainly appreciate that very much. And, and I, I think of, of things that we did not pay for, that we did not have to do, uh, work for, toil with our hands. And God has given it to us. We're a blessed people. Amen. Even, as I said, the cameras for the internet and everything else, you know, it's God that, that provided. Aren't you glad for a wonderful provider is our Lord? Amen. He provides. As I said, when we dedicated this building, he's more than enough. And he showed himself to us more than enough. Now, as we're looking tonight, we're going to continue our thought on possessing the land and, and um, bringing forth the king. And uh, I hope that, you know, where we got today that we can take on from here. And I still got a ways to go. So I hope that you still brought an appetite. Amen. If you go to sleep, I'll wake you up. <clears throat> but I hope you don't go to sleep. But as we just uh, look, you, you, you pull on the, on the gift of God, if you will. Now, as we think about God and his provisions and what he has given us, as, um, as we can look and say that we have been so blessed, but yet we can't say like Laodicea, I'm rich and increased and with goods and I have everything. But, but Joshua, you know, is, is saying here, um, you know, you, you've been blessed and you've been given a lot of things. And you've got a great land here. But, uh, but there's still a lack. And that lack is that you must, you must come and really come in with sincerity and truth. If you're going to completely possess this land. And you know even sometimes though we might have thought we've already given our all. I think we ought to examine ourselves tonight. And look one more time a little deeper at our own selves. Get down to the depth of the soul. Because whatever I don't want to miss being a part of what God's doing. And I do believe that he is finalizing a great work in this last day. As the plan of redemption has rolled up right on to this very hour. And it takes a sincerity. It takes an honesty and a genuineness. An honesty and, and, and um, expression 
That should be sincerity is an honesty in the expression of a true or deep feeling. And this is what Joshua admonished the people who were inherited in the land, saying, it is truly, it is truly a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It is abundant in the blessings of God. They all lay in that land. And we, we often just take a mere glance at the land and you know, we think of it, oh, it was a land that had grass and places for cattle and, and there were farms and communities and towns and vineyards, but it was much more than that. Laying in the land as we ended this morning on was the burying places of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there was a resurrection that was promised to them. And this was the greatest milk and honey that is possible. You see that there would be a resurrection and that the Messiah would stand there. This is the ultimate. This is greater than places for cattle to to grow fat with plenty of food and peaceful lands and abundant wealth. But oh, what a wealth that laid in this land. For in this land, the Messiah would come. In this land, the king would come forth. The redeemer that would bring full redemption. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, we're living in the age. As I feel the Holy Spirit move upon me. Amen. That, that we're living in the age, not a partial redemption. But a full redemption. Amen. Of a resurrection where there will be an ascension. Where there will be a people alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Who will not hinder those that are asleep. We're living in one of the greatest hours that there's ever been on the face of the earth. And you need not look back and say, oh, I wish I'd have been back there. Because I tell you, you are in the greatest hour of this world's history right now. They had just entered in here and they were inheriting. Amen. Too often we look at the surface. Oh, ah, this is great soil here to grow corn. Here are great olive trees and olive groves that that have been planted. And we can have oil and we can have peaceful fields for our cattle to grow. And won't it be a nice place to raise the children? And and, uh, so we can have nice families and a nice church. And we can offer sacrifices here. But God was wanting to give them something much greater than that. And I wanted to say you too have been blessed by receiving this message. Amen. The word that we have inherited has given us great blessings. You have wonderful things that God has blessed you with. Natural blessings that lay in this word. There are natural blessings just that come just by following God's word. You can have happy homes. Amen. You can have good marriages. You can have well-behaved children. It's milk and honey. That's what this word will produce. Amen. It will produce, you know, a good church. It'll produce lovely people. It'll produce good singing. Come on. It'll produce wonderful worship. Amen. All of these things are wonderful and they're desirable and they're great. And they're whole. It's milk and honey. But even in possessing all of that, that's really not what God's wanting to give you. Hallelujah. He's wanting to give you the resurrection. 
of all the saints. He's wanting to give you the change of your body. He's wanting to bring about an ascension. And that there be a rapture that will take place in this age. God wants to give you more than a good church. Amen. A good community of believers. Amen. A good nice people to be around. And nice families to have. And good children. And I'll tell you the message produces all of that. But God's wanting to give more than that. I heard a song the other day that just flashed back in my mind. Uh, a gospel song that I don't know. I think it was Mark Bishop that sang it. I don't really know his singing. But anyway, I took note of it. And was talking about Lazarus where Jesus wept. And he said, you know, in the, in the song, the way that he brought it, he didn't weep when he'd heard that Lazarus died. He didn't weep when he, when he um, walked even, even just to see the tomb that he laid down in. And, and that, that's what made him cry. But in, my, in this song that it brought it out, and I never thought of it like that. Said, but when he wept, he wept because he had to bring him back. Amen. Really what God wants for us. Are you with me? Amen. Is to take us to his home. To be with him forever. To take us out of this old wretched life of mortality. And take us into a life of immortality. That's what God wants for his children. All these things, as I said, are wonderful. But God wants to give more. It's a feast of milk and honey. And there are more aspects of it. It will help you with your finances. I mean, just the blessings of tithing. Those blessings that follows just that little principle. The little simple things that God's word said about conducting your business and your finances. Just being a Christian. Amen. Those things are wonderful, but to achieve that is not to achieve the goal. I hope you can see the picture that I'm trying to paint here. Amen. I hope you can begin to see where my heart is today. That's why I cannot be satisfied with having a good church, a nice building, plus pews, like I said, that are gifts of God that were given to us. Amen. I have carpet on the floor and I have a nice building and all of that. That that is, dear God, if that's our reward, we're not rewarded very much. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. That's not what we want. You see, I'm not just satisfied with someone reforming somebody and then being good to their wife or learning to be, to live right or to treat their family right or be a good daddy to their children. Now, all of those things are part of the land. Amen. They're part of the milk and honey that, that we eat of. But there's something that is beyond that. It is the goal of the ages that our sight is set upon. Amen. We are here in this land. We are here to bring forth the Messiah, the King. To bring Jesus back to earth again. Is somebody with me? Amen. That's really why the word has come. Not to give you a good family and a good home and a good church. Or a little healing campaign or a temporary healing. God wants to do more than that. He wants a people whose heart is set on thing. Let us bring back the king. 
in the Greek. This word sincerity means purity. And it means to serve with a pure heart. And so, but as, as he was saying, let's serve the Lord with sincerity and truth. That means completely, wholly, entirely, in accord with truth. Now, you're in this land, and you're, you who are now inheriting this. Remember, what he wanted them to inherit was the resurrection. Amen, the Messiah. That's what they were coming back to the land for. Amen, they, they were coming to meet the Messiah so the Redeemer could come. Amen, and they were there to come to that land to build, to prepare a place, to get a place ready for the Messiah to come. Amen, that's what we've been called back for. Amen, is to, to the promised land of the word is so that we can bring, we can bring forth the king. Amen, the reason is not to start a new church that we can call a message churches. Amen, that's not what this, and if this is what it's about, I quit. Amen, I, I, I don't want any more of it. If that's what it's about, just to have another group of people that are a little different from the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterian, and they got a little different philosophy, and, and they, you know, they meet in a little different building, and they dress in a little different way. Amen, if that's all it's about, I quit. But I want to tell you it's more than that. Amen. It's more than that. It is that every redemptive promise will be fulfilled in a people in this last day. Amen. Partial redemption given away to full redemption. Joshua 23 verse 14. He would tell them I'm going the way this day. of Going the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts. And in your souls, that not one thing is failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass on you, and not one thing has failed thereof. Listen, God's true to his word. Amen. He promised us good homes. We got them. He promises good marriages that will last till death do us part. Amen. We got them. Amen. He promises good children. We have them. He promises wonderful churches. We have them. He promises divine healing. We have it. Amen. Not one good promise has ever fallen to the ground. He keeps all of his word. But I want you to notice in order to possess it, then it's going to have to go back to the commission of Joshua 1 and 3, every place that the sole of your foot has tread, shall tread upon that I give to you. You're going to have to possess it. Amen. The forerunner, the forerunner's job was to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. And I just want to say God has kept his part of the bargain. Malachi 4 has been fulfilled. Luke 17, 30, revealing of the Son of Man. All the many, many scriptures have been, have been fulfilled. And God has kept his part of the bargain by bringing us into this word. But I wonder sometimes if we kept ours. Have we kept our part? 
Because you see, it required, it required some people moving in faith and putting their foot on a divine promise. Now, in the book of Judges, it kind of breaks my heart as it starts out. After everything that God promised to do. And yet in Judges 9, it's 119, it says, Judges 119, and try to follow these scriptures if you can. And the Lord was with Judah. That, that ought to be enough to shout about. And he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Now, first of all, the Lord was with them. Amen? Amen. Well, look like if the Lord was with them, they could have driven out those in the valley. But they couldn't do it because, you see, they were chariots of iron. Because, because they had a greater army, more equipment. Because the obstacle was greater. And so, therefore, they did not drive out them in the valley. Then we find out in Judges 1, 21, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day, the holy city. The city of the king. And yet they failed to possess it. And then in verse 27, neither, and this is how it goes into it, neither dead and neither dead and neither dead. As it talks about the failures of those who were given the land. I'll tell you, church, it's time that somebody breaks the cycle. Come on. There are parts of the word we want to fulfill. There are parts of the word we don't want to fulfill. And I'll tell you what, when it comes down to the book of Judges, where it says neither. We don't want to fulfill that part. We want to possess every bit of what's been given to us. Come on, church. Amen. Verse 31 said, neither did Asher. And then it says, you know, but in verse 32, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Then verse 34, and the Amorites And they forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer or allow them to come down in the valley. Now here we got again the enemy, the devils, demons standing on the promise of God. On land that is our inheritance given us to God that God swore I'd bring you to. And yet not enough faith to go down into that valley. And possess that, that. And so they have to remain in the mountain. Couldn't go down in, in the valley. And they're hiding among the rocks there. Now, you see, the first generation served the Lord. But the grandchildren did not. And remember this, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters of God. But, you know, we wind up having, you know, in our churches, we wind up with church full of, of grandchildren. They're just come along because, well, I was born in the message. and I'm born in this church and I'm born in this movement. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I will tell you, if you've been born here, you are a blessed people. You're a blessed person. 
I dedicated the little winter's child. I dedicated that daddy. I dedicated that mama. Amen. They were, they were raised up here on the pews of this church. But I'm just going to tell you again. And maybe they cut their teeth here and they were raised up here in this church. But I'm telling you, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Every person has to be born again of the same spirit of the almighty God. Every generation has to have their own revival. Now, as we looked at that, In chapter 2 and verse 11, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Hardly a generation has passed since the forerunner. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves to them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of the spoiler that spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about and so that they could not stand, they could not any longer stand before their enemies. This is a sad plight for a people that God had given the promise to. A people who was to have the faith of Abraham. A people who were to bring forth the king who had been brought back to this land for the the, the express purpose of the redeemer to come. And what happens to them? They get to where they can no longer stand against their enemies. There's no longer any faith to stand against cancer. No longer faith to stand against diseases. No longer faith to stand against sin. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord said, and as the Lord has sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges and they went a whoring after other gods and bowed down themselves to them and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did, uh, they did not so. So over and over, the cycle of revival, failure, and death begins a vicious cycle. A revival of failure and a a revival and then failure. And then from failure to death. And another judge will rise up and again lead them in a revival and a move of God only for them to fail. Is somebody with me? Amen. And then go down into death again. You see, this is the very type of our church ages. Are you with me? Amen. Here God gave the Holy Ghost. Open up the land on the day of Pentecost. But what happens? Is somebody with me now? What happens to them? They start in this cycle of revival, failure, death. Revival, failure, and death. And God will raise up another messenger and bring another revival. And then there will be failure in the next generation. And then death. And then he'll start again and send another judge. And he'll send another move of the Spirit and another revival. And then failure. 
and in death. Looks like pretty bleak. But as I was reading the book of, started to read the book of Judges, after Joshua, the Lord had directed me right over into the book of Ruth. Because right there in the book of Ruth, while the church ages are going on, while the judges are doing their work, amen, there, there is somewhere in the midst of the judges, here comes a Ruth. Amen. Here comes a book outside of the judges, a story of another people. Hallelujah. Another woman. And this woman is Ruth, and she's a Gentile. Come on. She's a Gentile woman. But she was a woman there who said, I'll leave things behind. I'll leave my people behind. I'll leave my life behind and my God's behind. But I want to go to that promised land because there was something down on the inside of her that said, I want that seed for a womb in my womb. I want to bring forth the king. Now, maybe she couldn't verbalize it. But there was a drive down on the inside of that little Gentile woman. Hallelujah. Amen. While the others are going through this vicious cycle, here comes another woman out. Amen. Leaving her people, leaving her gods behind to become one of the people of the book. To be a womb to receive the king's seed from the tribe of Judah. Amen. Like Rahab, her womb never carried the seed of other men. Are you with me? But her womb was reserved so she could be one of the mothers of the king Messiah. Hallelujah. She went back. Amen. She began there, Ruth deciding justification. Amen. So way back there in Luther's day to, to Wesley's day of Ruth serving works sanctification. Somebody with me now? To Ruth resting the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a deposit. Hallelujah. When the promise was given to her of the deposit, remember, he said, open up, open up your, 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 um, uh, open up your veil. I want to just pour some measures down in there. Amen. She filled her full and said, I'm not sending you home empty. I'm giving you the deposit and there's more to come. Oh, if you've got the blessed Holy Spirit today, amen, I say that's wonderful and that's good, but it's a deposit and it only says there's more to come. Hallelujah. There's more to come of it. She would dare finally come to the point where she was rewarded. And her reward was a whole lot more than handfuls on purpose. Amen. Her reward was Boaz. Amen. She received the land and the seed life of the king. For from her would come, would come from Boaz and Ruth would come Obed and from Obed Jesse and Jesse David. Who would be the, 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 the very prototype of the king of kings and lord of lords. So now Ruth had come, a Gentile bride. And as I said, Boaz had started his work 
of redemption. Already the kinsman redeemer is heading toward opening up the inheritance. Amen. Boaz started his work with justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost unto bringing forth the child to lay in the lap of Naomi, the Jewish church. So now, but while there is a move of God and God's got a plan, the ages, the church ages are cycling on. The judges are cycling on. And there, you know, it it winds up with the last judge was Eli, who allowed corruption in the priesthood. And the Ark of the Covenant was lost. Amen. The word was captured by the enemy and taken out of the land of promise. Amen. Now, so again, there was no open vision in the days of Samuel. Therefore, where there's no vision, the Bible says, the people perish. We must have vision, and visions comes to a prophet, and it's the word of the Lord that is spoken to them. But now Eli wasn't a prophet. Eli was a priest, and he was getting old, and his eyes were going dim, and he couldn't see around, and he was a great heavy man, and he began to let the work of the Lord go undone. That's the condition as we end the church ages, the work of the Lord being undone. Miracles and signs and wonders gone. The living God is not present. It's a historical God. And when the resurrection is not preached in power, the work is being left undone. And, and I just want to say, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves in that same groove, perpetuating the ages. Somebody with me now. Amen. Let's look at this for a minute because we cannot afford to perpetuate the ages. There's got to be some cycle breakers. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, this age will go down into death like all the other ages. This age will go into corruption like all the other ages. Are you with me? But there is a people in this age that will be a cycle breaker. Amen, because it says those that are alive and remain that somebody's still going to be alive. A people who know their God and who can do exploits. Uh Oh, you know, I think of what we have been given and we settle down as if we're another church age. And maybe... Maybe, you know, you say, well, the work of the Lord's not being undone, Brother Tim. We're still printing books. We're still printing books. We're still distributing gospel material. So are they. And I just want to say, this church, even in Light Tabernacle, threw a burden in this in the hearts of the brothers here, moving out there, went in Japan, where there was not a message church at all. Where there was no, no group of believers there. Where there was no, not one sermon that was translated into the Japanese language. And I want to say that by God's grace today, Evening Light Tabernacle has translated. Is somebody with me? 134 sermons of Brother Branham's. Right now, that's the count that we have put upon the message hub where it can be read around the world. Amen. 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 
And plus, you know, I've written three books for outreach on, on water baptism and on the, on the, the comings of Elijah and, the, and on the serpent seed. And, and they have been translated now into many languages. And we just recently helped in Uganda print thousands of copies in different in several different languages to be a part of that revival there to establish them on the word of God. Amen. They're now in Norwegian and they're down in three different languages. Listen, this is not to puff me up. It's not about me. It wasn't even my message. I wrote these things for outreach, not even for believers, to reach out to new people. And But let me just say, but if we're not careful, we're only changing people's opinion from one philosophy to another. Giving them a better knowledge of the word and baptizing them with water. And I want you to say, I'm all for that. I rejoice in every baptism and I rejoice for every book published. Amen. And we have helped. We have helped build a church building. I just finished one in, um, I think it was Zambia, the country of Zambia. I just finished one where they just had a little shock, couldn't stay out from under because it, it was just a, a, a leafy, the things, money from your pocket helped do that. And we just finished a, a building for those saints to be able to worship in a little building that they kiln-fired out of made handmade bricks and made their own and put sheet metal on top of it and they got a place to worship. And I want to say I'm thankful for every one of those church buildings. And especially when I look out here and see what God's given us and see over that there somehow we left it the burden of some little group. But don't stop there. Where's the filling of the Holy Ghost? You know, it's a false assumption to think that because they receive church, uh, correct theology that they have the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's a Baptist philosophy. Just receive this doctrine. Just say Christ is, is my Savior. And this is what the message in large has done around the world. They have brought a Baptist theology of just accepting God sent a prophet and we have a message. You receive that and you got the Holy Ghost. That ain't the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is an experience. It's where God comes down in a life and changes them forever. No, it's not tongues and it's not a jump and it's not a shout. We know all of that. But I'll tell you, when it comes, there is something that moves on the inside. And it's more than a reformation. It's a power of transformation. And to quote Brother Branham, and when we try to educate the church to fellowship, when we try to educate the people to Christ, we're just batting the air. We're getting nowhere. There's only one way that man or woman can come to Christ, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ and being born again. And you're not born again till you receive the Holy Ghost. As he would say in, in this message in 1965, I'm afraid that too many of us are not getting people to Christ. We're getting them to a church, to a theory, but we must get them to Christ. He is the only one and the only one that has life. He that has the Son has life. 
Now, finally, the judges in like our church ages with the priesthood and his corrupt sons and God raising up a prophet. Amen. And that day it was by the name of Samuel. But can you imagine? Can you imagine here, you know, the corruptness that is happening with religion? As some man told Brother, our, our lady actually told Brother Wayne on the plane. Brother Wayne Lawson was talking to her. And she said, I don't have an interest in church. Well, all it's about in our Lutheran church is a bunch of old people arguing over the money. And that's about the way it is. You know, running by committees and we'll get this preacher in. And, you know, it's kind of like at Josh Bennett's when they were, when they were, were, were had to have a bigger, larger building. And, and they, they got out of there into a little gymnasium of another church. And, and, they, and they were beginning to preach. And because there were more room, people came. And, because, and then the, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit was taking place. And there was rejoicing and shouting. And, and they, they tried to buy the building from the from the, the denominational church and let's let's just buy it. You're you're just a handful of people said, oh no, we know what you've done. We can see what you've done. We, we know you, 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 y'all just got you a young preacher and with some new songs and things and, and brought an enthusiasm in. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to fill this building up. You see, that's what they think. They think it's, a, it's just about singing and, and worship and, and jumping or, or some enthusiastic young preacher. But it's more than that. Amen. Where the carcasses, the eagles will gather. Amen. But what is it that judges in, as our church ages did, with a corrupt priesthood, corrupt sons? Can you imagine some like the Methodists with homosexuals in their pulpit? Those who lay, and those ministers that lay with women, adulterous preachers who divorce and marry two or three times, you got double married preachers in the pulpit. Can you imagine, you know, there are they, 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 they get so in need of preachers that put women up to preach. Can you imagine they get in such a condition there in, the, in their whole ministry until there's drunks in the pulpit? And they're getting arrested for drunk driving. Are you with me? Amen. You know, again, what is it? It's the corrupt ending of the church ages. But in the middle of that, God was sending a prophet. Hallelujah. That was Samuel. He would have been a, he was a just man, a good man, honorable, reputable, true, honest with the people, never deceiving them, telling them that nothing but straight, thus saith the Lord. And out of the thousands of visions, it never failed. Can't you follow my parallel? Can't you see what we're talking about, where we're at? God sending a prophet in this day with thousands upon thousands of visions. Never failed. He wasn't a compromiser. He wouldn't compromise on the holiness. He wouldn't compromise for sin. He would not compromise for money or popularity. He could not be bought. He could not be bribed. 
He could not be coaxed. You know, I'll give you, we'll give you an airplane. We'll, we'll get you out here among the hoo-hoos. And we will give you a great ministry. And we'll promote you. And, but you just got to leave your, your teaching behind. You see, Eli was blind. And Israel was led by a blind judge and a corrupt priesthood. What a sad way to end the ages. Sons of Eli laying with the women who came to worship, stealing them, stealing and taking by force the meat of the sacrifice. And these abuses were just overlooked, just swept under the rug by the priesthood. But the Bible said that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. I say, God, don't ever let us get that. Where the word of the Lord is rare. God speaking to his people like we were hearing this morning in Brother Duplessis' testimony. It's got to be where the saints of God are in tune with God and can hear his voice. Men and women led by the spirit of God. And it came to pass while Eli was laying down in his place, and his eye had begun to grow dim, and he could not see. Then before the, the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And that's about the way it is in the churches today. Sin is not rebuked. It's not dealt with. Churches become rich. Sins become rampant. A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And there is no vision, and the word of God is rare. The judge is in with Eli blind and dying, and the ark, the word of the Lord, taken, and children birthed out of that called Ichabod. Meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. Brother Branham said, let people shake themselves tonight and flee from the wrath that is to come. For Ichabod is written over the doors and over the nations. A black check mark has come across it. The spirit of God has grieved away from it and they're weighed in the balances and found wanting. You see, even among the churches that claim to be free, claim to be in the truth, claim to break and this broken the cycle, They don't have any desire to see a soul saved. It's all about what's in our four walls. It's all about us four and and no more. You know, and and Brother Branham would, you know, would talk about them. And because, you see, they have no burden to see souls saved. You even hear preachers say, I don't want to see any souls snapping around at my altar. Brother Branham said, I've been to places and people supposed to be spirit-filled people. See, altar calls made and why you couldn't get anybody to pray with them. It shows that it's Ichabod. The spirit of the Lord has departed. But when you see that zeal and fire and longing and long for human souls. And he said, any religion that hasn't got the blood life of Jesus Christ behind it, the death angel is on it. Right? Death angels separated from God. Yes, indeed. Ichabod is wrote on every bit of it that hasn't got the blood. You say, well, I'm glad the blood. But he said, if the blood hasn't taken effect, 
if it hasn't taken effect and you see it in your life as a consecrated child of God with what Jesus said would take place, then be careful. You might have something else besides the blood. You might have a little injection of theology in there or something or a little injection of some sensation or say, I quivered, I shook, I danced, I did this. Be careful. See, you can go to either extreme. Don't, don't just talk about, don't just pick on the emotional side. Amen. But also realize there are some that's all they got is an injection of theology. And that's just as wrong as going to the other side. It's a balanced walk that we must have. Said if the, if the medicine ever strikes you, it's good for every human being. It'll save from sin. It'll clean up from a life of sin. It'll make a different person out of you. It'll take the doubt away. It'll make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's the spirit of this nation. Big time. Somebody, television program, lots of jokes to be cracked. Why? That makes a real Christian sick at his stomach to hear of such things. A man or a woman can look at that kind of stuff that we have on TV today and some of them programs and enjoy it. It shows that Ichabod is wrote over the top of your heart. The glory of the Lord has departed. And when the church loses its attraction, when it comes to time that you have to sign cards and things to come to church, I think it's time for a prayer meeting or something to take place in the church. Amen. And in the church, Christ ought to be the attraction. Amen. You know, a church should be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. It don't wither. I don't care if it comes dry season or wet season or this season or that problem or that problem or whatever. Its tree, its roots are in the rivers of living water. Its leaf, it doesn't wither. Amen. You know, Brother Branham talked about this in planting the vine. He said, it's like David said again in Psalms, blessed is the man that will not join up with the scoffers and ungodly people. Remember, that's one of the signs. If you listen to the rapture, one of the very signs of the rapture is more than the shout voice and the trump. One of the signs is scoffers rise in the last days. You see, there are some fulfilling that other part. And I just want to say, be real careful about your scoffing. When you want to scoff at the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when you want to scoff at somebody weeping their way to Calvary, when you want to scoff at the tears rolling down their face and something more than a dried-eyed confession, and you want to scoff at it, it's because Ichabod is written over you. Your leaf is withered. Scoffers that say days of miracles have passed and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is just make-believe. I'm quoting Brother Branham. Blessed is a man that will not do that. Blessed is a man that will stand forth from such a thing. They don't want to mix those together. You can't mix those things together. Blessed is a man who wants to assemble himself unto one of those that denies the power of the Lord. The Bible said, come out from among such, for the day will come they'll be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Blessed is the man that will not assemble himself with these scuffers, making fun, calling the true church a bunch of fanatics. Amen. Oh, Brother Brandon said, blessed is the man who will not 
who will not assemble himself with those kind of scoffers. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. God put him in a choice spot. His fruit shall not wither. He will bring forth his leaves and his fruits in his season. Watch how David worded that this man is blessed. He will be planted, not just set out. You know, I see anything planted. Israel and Egypt was not planted. They were set out. It wasn't their original home ground. And that's a Christian that rests his eternal destination upon um, uh, some denominal creed, uh, denominational creed. He's not in his right place. He was born to be free, a child of God, to worship God. But he's under a creed and he can't bring forth his fruits. Yet something in him is longing to do it. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers, rivers, plural, water, singular, many rivers coming from one channel. In other words, he'll be like a man in the scripture that believes all the word of God. Where the power and the nine spiritual gifts that flow through one God into his innermost being. People don't believe in shouting. The thing of it is, they haven't got spiritual joy. And the joys of the water of life can flow through. That's what's in my home, what's the matter with Branham Tabernacle? Because that unbelief, the cares of the world has bound the people until it cannot produce spiritual growth. And that's what's the matter with our nation. That's what's the matter with our churches. They have no joy. And the joy of the Lord is departed, as it's written one time in the scripture, the Hebrew word of Ichabod, which means the presence of the Lord has departed. That's over our churches. Because we left off of the original foundation. And he even said, Branham Tabernacle, a message church. Now the people want a king. God has sent them a prophet, but they want a king. Notice the desire of the people. God is about to give them a king. He's already been working. There's Ruth, a Moabitess, deciding, working, serving. Somebody help me. Meeting the kinsman redeemer. Amen. And she, she there gets Boaz and she, she receives the seed life. And it's on its way. It's about here. And just before the king comes, the people want one of their own choosing. Now you're seeing where I'm going. Now here the picture comes in. God's about to give them king, one after his own heart, one that he can be king through. And I'll tell you what. God is about to give us the king. The Messiah, the line of the tribe of Judah is advancing. Heaven is moving. The king is coming. The title is being handed to a bride as he calls for his queen to come stand by his side. But before the king can come, before the rapture can consummate, the people select a Saul. Of the wrong tribe. Are you with me? Of the wrong lineage. Oh, he's an Israelite, but he's of the tribe of Benjamin. And the word of the Lord has been that out of Judah will the scepter come. 
And he will rule my people. I'm going to be given you a king, but he'll come out of Judah. But before he can come out of Judah, they select a man of their own choosing. A son of Kish. And I want you to listen to me. The son of Kish, he only perpetuated the judges. He was only a continual cycle of revival, hope, disappointment, and failure, and death. Now, when I'm preaching this, I'm not, I am not pointing to one certain son of Kish, because there are thousands of them. There are men with the spirit of organization, the denominational mindset that rules Laodicea. It's the organizational life that people want. You know, I just go to church when I feel like it. Maybe sometimes if I'm a good Christian two or three times a week and, and do my religion, but don't have a personal everyday walk with Christ. I heard of a man here the other day was told of a young man that was boasting, I'm blessed. Everything I touch turns to gold, but I don't read my Bible every day, and I don't pray every day, and yet God still blesses me. What is it? It's an organizational life, and it's an organizational life that people want. Amen. You know, again, you know, you see, a life, a life of a believer must follow Jesus every day. You've got to be just as real of a Christian on Monday as you were on Sunday. And on Tuesday as you were on Monday. And on Wednesday as you were on Tuesday. And all the way through, it's an everyday walk. Brother Branham, in his your life where the gospel, he said, Israel walked day and night by the pillar of fire. When the pillar of fire moved, they moved with it. And remember, it was a fire at night and a cloud by day. So it might come day or night, any time. But whenever it was, there was a propitiation made and that they would not fail to see it. It was a light at night and a cloud in the daytime and they followed it. Yes, sir, same thing. Martin Luther saw it. What did he do? He came out of Catholicism. But what did they do? They built a little fence around and said, we're Lutherans. This is it. Wesley come along moving from there and he went, what'd they do? Built a little fence around and said, this is it. What'd the light do? Moved right on. Pentecost saw it and what'd they do? Moved out of the Wesley, the Nazarenes and so forth. What'd they do? They built a little fence around and said, we're oneness, we're Trinity and we're united. And what'd he do? God moved right out of it. We cannot do that. We got to follow every day, every hour of the day, every step of the way. We got to be led by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't, we take an organizational life. And a life that doesn't follow Christ daily is not worthy. The real king was to be the Holy Spirit. Leading and before, but before the people could bring on a man who would allow God's leadership and be king through him, they rejected the king. And that's where we are. The king is being rejected. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. 
I am not talking about some man. I'm talking about Holy Spirit leadership in individual life. And the king has been rejected. And the intellectual men are chosen instead. Sons of Kish rising up. Now, sons of Kish are good Israelites. And they're handsome. And they're head and shoulders above all the others. But you is never to be led by intellects. Recently, just recently, I heard a son of Kish defending the use of psychology and stated that the Holy Spirit is the greatest psychologist that ever was. Saying, I think psychology has its place when it's used by the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to say the Holy Spirit has never used psychology. You know, to think of it, given a description of the Holy Spirit as the greatest psychologist, think of that. If that isn't a son of Kish, polished, educated, smart, intellectual, and that's the kind of ministry that wants to rise up, you know, showing, showing they don't know the power of God. You see, psychology has no place in the ministry. It has no place in our literature. We never needed Dr. Dobson before, and we don't need him now. We don't need their books of psychology then, and we don't need them now. We got one book that we need, and that's the Bible. The Word of God, are you with me? Psychology has no place in the ministry. God doesn't need it, and God doesn't use it. And if you think that the Holy Ghost is the greatest psychology there ever was, then you don't know the Holy Ghost. You've never known its power. You've never known its life-changing abilities. See, psychology is a study of the mind, how it works, how it affects behavior. Psychology is man's attempt to fix a spiritual problem by education. It's man fixing another man without the Spirit of God. Trying to do what only God can do without God fixing the people. You see, psychology is just changing the mind. Trying to change the behavior. Amen. That's not what we preach. Amen. We preach a nature change. The old man of sin is dead. And you're risen in Christ. We preach a resurrection. A psychologist treats a patient through psychotherapy. Help, you know, hoping to relieve the symptoms through behavioral change. The role of the psychiatrist is is a medical doctor focusing more on practicing medication and, and other inventions to manage the mental health conditions. But I, I want you to know that, that it, you see, the Holy Spirit is not a psychologist. And he's not the greatest psychologist ever. He's the greatest discerner of the heart, the deliverer of the bound, the deliverer of the tormented. Amen. The gospel does not relieve fear by behavioral change. Fear is an evil spirit. It's a tormenting spirit. And the Holy Spirit casts out devils. Amen, that's Mark 16. Amen, it did not say, will you psychology on them? Said, in my name, we'll cast out devils. 
The Holy Spirit was not performing psychology on someone when discerning the cause of their sickness. He was showing where the demon of fear had attached himself to that person and started causing their illness. And that's why we don't need sons of kish in the pulpit. We need God-called men who know the power of God. Amen. That aren't trained to use psychology, but are trained by the Holy Ghost to cast Satan out. Brother Branham said in Israel in the church, and by the way, I've been listening to that series too. He said, I believe we're on the borderline tonight. Oh God, where are we now? This is 1953. Maybe we're we're in there. I was wondering all about my meetings and things, how I had to cancel them out. I truly believe before the church can have the rapture, it's got to have rapture and faith. We can't have faith for divine healing, let alone rapture and faith. Got to have faith that it change and quicken this body and be taken away. I believe there's a church on this road tonight of power of the living God that men will speak the word here and there and it'll flash like lightning and a church is coming out not a psychologist not something that's put on make-believe but a real, true, genuine, anointed Holy Ghost called out church. Hallelujah, that's what's here tonight. Amen, that's what we want in the evening like tabernacle, a Holy Ghost anointed called out church. Not putting out some behavioral change and changing your mind and causing you to take this philosophy and trade it for another. It's more than that. It's the power of transformation that makes and turns a sinner into a child of God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. The king is rejected. Laodicea shows him rejected. And an intellectual conception allowed to be king. And you can never live an overcoming life with an intellectual son of Kish as king. Oh, they want something they can call sane and sensible, where you just embrace a doctrine. But there's never been a visitation from the presence of the Lord. In invisible union, he said, neither can you bear God's son word. God's word son. Neither can the church bring forth. They don't want one of them uh, screaming, children, shouting, speaking in tongues and all them things. You, they, you can't do that in a denominational church. You can't do it in a son of kiss church either. They won't have you. They won't bring them like that. They'll take them up and shake their hands and say, I believe you got it. As long as you put your name on the book, that's all you have to do. See, it's illegitimate children do the word and still claim religion. As he said, Satan don't care how religious you are or how right you are in your doctrine. If you miss that life, you won't come up anyhow. No matter how religious, how good, how many churches you belong to or will belong to, it doesn't matter one thing unless you've been born again. He says the enemy tries to say that days of miracles are past. There's no such thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that this is only emotion. 
It's only a workup. So the enemy is challenged and his challenge must be met. It's an entire evangelism. And the day the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious group has tried to prove that this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. That's what the scoffers are saying now. It's just emotion. You know, and it don't stand up according to their scientific theory. Well, I'd like to ask them this. What makes them change? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? Amen. What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? Amen. What makes the cancer and diseases depart from the people and the deaf to dumb the blind and the dead to raise up? Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it. Certainly. 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 Anything that's alive has emotion. And anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression, but I think we ought to bury some of our emotionless religion then. Because it's dead. It has no emotion in it. In religion that has not emotion should be buried. Uh-huh, because it is emotional. Hallelujah. Amen. You can't tell me the presence of Christ comes down. And, you're, and you just stand there and... Oh, well, I didn't ever know it even happened. You see, they might come as studious, intellectual, educated man, or in some cases, now here's where it is. In some cases, it even comes disguised as a move of God with much fanfare and with shoutings and great expressions of emotion and great worship, but watch it. It's a move. It's anointing of a son of Kish. Not with the anointing of God, but the anointing of man to build up a kingdom. Now, this message started with divine healing. And the power of God, it will end with a massive move of total divine healing. It'll be so glorious that hair will come back the right color. Amen. It'll be so glorious that wrinkles will fall off and the skin becomes glorified. Cripples will run and blind will see and deaf will hear and old age will fade away in a miraculous movement and a a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This message started out with the visitation of an angel and healing faith and it will end with a climax of rapturing faith. The king will come. Are you with me? It started out casting out devils for salvation. Not a 12-step AA meeting where you learn to cope with your problem. Amen. Where you learn to cope with your problems so you don't reach for the bottle when when you're having a problem. Where you get up and you still declare, I'm an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic. But I've learned that that behavior is not healthy. And that sounds like a lot of so-called Christians. I'm a sinner. I'll always be a sinner. But I've learned, you know, that some of that behavior just ain't healthy. 
So I try to be good. It's not a learned behavior. It's a deliverance. A deliverance from the demons of hell that's pulling through your appetites. Salvation then becomes with people an intellectual approach to change in behavior. That's what sons of Kish will do. Shining army. Higher, head and shoulder above. The head of all that's around him. His words are polished with education. I was in a men's meeting. And they called on a man to testify of how he overcame. How he overcame pornography. You know, he had a bad pornography habit and he was a married man. And he said, what I've done, brothers, I've learned to associate pornography with pain. The pain that was causing my wife and family and the harm it was doing. And so now that's how I've overcome pornography. That is not overcoming. Now, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about Brothers Keeper program. What was that called? Promise Keeper program. I'm talking about message people. Talking about their deliverance in such a way. That's not deliverance. Overcoming pornography is recognizing that it's sin and I need a savior. I need a Holy Ghost baptism that'll take away and deal with a sin nature that's on the inside of me that has an appetite that's pulling through my body. Pornography. The Holy Ghost takes away the desire of sin. We want something besides the Holy Ghost to be king over us. We'll adopt psychology. We'll adopt some other system of man rather than have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because we don't want no snotting over on our altars. We don't want no tears. We don't want no dying out. We, we want you to just come up sane and sensible. Sane and sensible. We want a king. What we want is somebody to tell us what to do. You know, today, we already got like the Baptists. As a Baptist preacher told me one time, he said, I don't know how you do it. You get up and preach two hours at a time. I could never do that. I've been a preacher for years, and I could never do that. Said, well, I'll tell you what, all I do is I get this little letter here from the the church, and I get up and I, I read my sermon to them. And said, it's over in 15 minutes. I don't know where you, where you got all of that stuff that you're preaching. I don't know. I don't know where all that comes from. How do you preach like that? You see, we, they, what the Baptists got to do, they had so many sons of kids that all they did was send them a program. Here is uh, what you're to preach on this week. And we're doing the same thing. Here's the tape we want you to play. We don't want you to preach. We want you to play this tape in all your churches. It ain't nothing more than a, than a son of Kish rising up trying to be king when the Holy Spirit is to be king. Come on now. Amen. But that's what people want. They want somebody to do your religion for you where you don't pray, where you don't ask God for leadership. Are you with me? Amen. You know, you want someone else to tell you what to do so you'll have somebody else to blame when you fail. 
You know, here you hear, sometimes you hear people and they just go on and on. The deacons did this and the preacher did this and they didn't handle that right. And they did. Well, what about you? What about you, failed parents? What about you, backslidden daddy? And you want to blame it because why? You are trying to make Saul your king. Well, if you ever get the Holy Ghost as your king, you'll quit blaming preachers for why you turn out the way you are. You'll quit blaming the deacons. You'll quit blaming the other church members and they let us down. You'll say, God, it stops right here. The buck stops right here. I know I need the Holy Ghost in my life to lead my family and it hadn't been led by the Spirit of God. You want to sit backslidden and then your kids turn out bad and the deacons have to turn them out of the church and then you blame them. Your own behavior turned them out of church. Your own backslidden ways turned them out of church. You need the Holy Ghost. You got Saul as your king. You've rejected the king. Oh, I know that's cutting hard. Go listen to the tape. Brother Branham didn't cut no slack. And I'm not playing games. I'm, I'm serious. Amen. I'm very, I'm serious as I can be about this. You know, the rejected king, they would, and Brother Branham told us, they looked upon the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Hittites. They wanted to pattern like these kings. They want to be like these. You know, you know, just give us a place to come to church and tell us what to do. And, you know, we'll do our religion. We'll go home. And, and chaos is in the home. Sin is in the home. No prayer meeting in the home. He's not king. Christ is not king there. But you got a Saul. You got a son of Kish that'll tell you what to do. Just believe this creed. Learn this Greek word. You're going in the rapture. You're all right. You're going to hell is what you're doing. Or into the tribulation. But there's, you know, never been an age in any time that God's intention was for us to act like the world. You know, God's people are to be a peculiar people, a different people, a called out people, a separated, altogether in their actions, their ways, their manner of living than what the world has. And Brother Branham warned us over and over. Hear me across the nation and across the world and in this church. Only God's only provided place of worship. Said, now you notice every three years after a great meeting, what takes place? A denomination. And this has been 20 years and no denominations. Dear dying lamb, may it never do that. If I go in this generation, may the people who believe this message never stand still for a denomination. You'll die right in your track. Remember the very hour you mentioned denomination among you. I don't care how sincere you are. Take man for your leader instead of the Holy Spirit to confirm this word. That's the hour you die. The genuine seed cannot because there's nothing left after the seed. You see, it's the same thing that was back at the beginning. It's the pride that fell at the ground to bring forth the corn of wheat again. And there's nothing past the grain. We're at the end of the cycles. Oh, Brother Tim, ah, we're no denomination. You can have an organizational life. 
sitting right in an evening light tabernacle. Remember, light divorce is not the paper God hates. It's the behavior. You can behave like a divorced couple, no love, no respect, possessive, controlling, hateful, mean, and still be married. And you don't have to have the paper organization to be denominated. In fact, the battery is, Brother Brandon said, I indict these denominations and many of the independents. When you behave like a denomination with pastors controlling, like a king and king and kingdom building, and no miracles, no moving of the spirit, Amen. binding them down to slavery. Even, let, me, let me just say, even making Brother Branham your king, he, let me tell you, he's not God. He's not the Holy Ghost. He is not to be your king. God didn't send Brother Branham to be the head of a personality cult. Amen. God don't want his son Joseph Branham to be a personality cult leader either. But that's what they made him. Just as it did with Lee Vale and Joseph Coleman and a myriad of others, and I could keep calling names because there's big souls and little souls with big kingdoms and little kingdoms. Nicolaitan spirits, the spirit of denomination. As Paul, Brother Branham said, Paul knew that it would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part of a Holy Spirit ministry. And even right today, among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there's not too much freedom in the laity. And the best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. This is far cry from Paul who said all came together and all had the leading of the Spirit and all participated in spiritual worship. But what happened? The people got caught up. We want a king. We want a man that we can say about him, this is our God. We follow this. We're in this movement. This is our. We're in this group. We, we got the corner on the market here. And, you know, we're the ones going in the, in the rapture. We, we're, the, we're the only ones with the truth. Sons of Kish. Now, sons of Kish are reputable men many times. Honorable man. It's all of us. He suited the people just right. He was tall, noble, good looking. You know, statue of a man, head and shoulder above all the rest of them in, in the Israel. He could even, listen, he could even sometimes get anointed and preach a good sermon. But he wasn't called of God to do it. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He never was God's choice. He was the people's choice. People aren't satisfied with God placing in his church for them to be governed by the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. They want somebody to tell them what to do. They want some man, some denomination, some certain people to govern the church that they're not able to throw themselves completely into God's hand to be spiritual, to be led by the Holy Ghost. They, and I'm quoting Brother Branham, they want somebody to do their religion for them. Somebody that will tell them just how to do it and all about it. That's what people want today. 
They want somebody to do their religion for them. Well, you know, we, we give Brother Tim our tithes. Let him do the studying. Let him do the praying. We, you know, we, we make sure, you know, that he doesn't have to work out in secular work. And he, he can devote himself. So why do I need to pray? Why do I need to be a spiritual man? How come, how come I need to listen to the tapes? How come I got a witness to people out of my job and wherever, you know? Oh, we pay the preacher to do that. You see, God sent on the day of Pentecost the Holy Ghost to rule in men's hearts and to rule in their lives. It was never meant for man to rule over man. Amen. You said, Brother Tim, you mean to tell me that a pastor is not to lead his church? Oh, yeah, he is. He is to lead the church by feeding them the word. He's not to be king nor to claim, claim to be the husband of the church. And especially not the husband of individuals in the church. Amen. But man wants to rule and that man loves to be ruled. He don't want to have God to rule him. But still, you see, they chose a great man, but it still wasn't God's way of doing him. God wanted his faithful old prophet to, to, to direct them and speak his words to them. And remember in this, today in the church age that we live in, he said, I think and believe this with all my heart. We've gone exactly vice versa from what God ordained us to do. The last words of our Savior was Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. And if they should take up serpents or drink deadly things, it will not hurt them. They lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And there's not a man, there's no son of Kish. No other one else can produce that outside of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Our churches have gone so corruptive on the basis we're choosing our shepherds to lead us. We've gone to the seminaries. We've selected men with great intellectual giants, men who are brilliant in their minds, men who have scholarships or great mixers among the people, great men in their neighborhood, which I have nothing to say against, men who are kind in their ways of walk, careful in their ways of life, how they conduct themselves among other men and among people, great men in their fields, which I do not speak evil of. God forbid that my spirit would ever be that evil but still it isn't what God chose for us. It's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Christ in the heart of man. Many of those intellectual men stand in our pulpit and they deny the real existence of the Holy Ghost. Many of them deny the existence of divine healing and the power of the Spirit. I'm ashamed to say we're not just talking about Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. We're talking about message churches now. Amen. Sons of Kish have got in the pulpit chosen by men. And, and they've, got, they've done good things. They can do great print works. They can build churches. They can, they, they, they can organize great movements and things like that. You know, even as I said, he said to, to Saul, you will also prophesy. And many of them can become great mighty preachers and can preach like archangels. 
But still, it isn't God's will. God was to be their king. And brother, sister, you let the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen. He sent the Holy Spirit. But he said, God sent the Holy Spirit, and he's to be our guide. He's to be our leader. But when they see the Holy Spirit moving, they get scared of it. It's a stranger to them because they've never been taught in that line. They're taught just a certain church what it believes and go through life calling themselves Christians and going with the things of the world. And, and when they die, they say, well, my faith saves me. Said I said to a man one time, sir, don't the Lord ever condemn you for that smoking? So oh, no, no. Now, wait a minute. You think, oh, this is Baptist Methodist. I know of trustees and, and officials in churches that are smokers. Message churches. He said, oh, oh, no. He said, I've seen you drink myself. But he said, look here, preacher, I want to tell you something. I visited another man in the room. He said, my faith saves me. I said, but mister, let me tell you something now. Faith without works is dead. The Holy Spirit don't live a life like that. I said, you may be disappointed. I said, now the faith is all right, but if the works don't follow that faith, your faith is no good. And when you die, remember, it doesn't change your spirit. It only changes your dwelling place. And whatever type of spirit you go in, you, that's a place it will, it will, um, it'll, that's a place it will go to. And sin can never enter heaven. You say, well, I confess mine every night. That's the way people are. I'm, I'm just in the flesh. You know, I've got this flesh, and I can't help it, this, this old flesh. And besides that, you know, I confess my sins every night. We got a prayer book, and when we go to church, we confess all our sins and turn right back around, he said, and do them again. Turn right back the next day and say, God, forgive me for drinking, forgive me for committing adultery, forgive me for lying, forgive me for stealing, and turn right back around and do the same thing. Forgive me for getting drunk last week. I didn't mean to drink that much and turn right back around and drink again. Well, that shows something hasn't changed inside. You're trying to paint the outside, kind of whitewash it. But it, what needs is done is put on the blood of Jesus Christ and wash white instead of whitewashed. Amen. Now, this is what Brother Branham said. Many people want him as Savior to keep them from going to hell, but they don't want him to be the Lord of their life. To be the governor, to be the ruler. They don't want him meddling in their private business. Well, you know, with Israel, they get a message. I don't remember now, was it from the Amorites? Who sends out and said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put out the right eye of every one of God's people. We're going to go, you're going to serve us, and we're going to put out every one of your right eyes. And Brother Bradham said, that's the one that's spiritual. If he can put the spiritual side out of your eye where you see the natural and not the spiritual things, he's got you whipped right there. As long as you can have churches and big places and find intellectual dressed people and so forth, as long as your eye looks like that and you don't see the, don't see the spirit side, the enemy's got you under his control because you don't know where you're going. And I'll tell you, that's the problem today. Because of a lack of an old-fashioned, sin-killing, backwoods religion 
sin killing revival amen bible holy ghost back in the church you got a lot of people with the right eye out they don't have a spiritual eye all they can see is natural things well god's blessing me here and god's blessing me there and god gave us this beautiful church and we got a great ministry But it's got to be something that brings the power of God back in the church. Amen. The Spirit of God moving on the audience, people filled with the Holy Ghost. And remember, the first time, not the second time, but the first time that Saul reached up and decided he was going to offer the sacrifice. Are you with me? And he moves on out of his position, out of his place. Come on. And the first time that he got, you know, that the people started being led by man instead of God, the Holy Ghost goes right away from you, and God left Saul right there. Amen. And you know what? You know, they become just like a a bunch of confused people now. They're living a defeated life. They're still perpetuating the church age. They just start going down into failure. Brother Branham likened it to like an old gander that led a bunch of geese out of Canada. He wound up over there in England somewhere. You know, and they, they was, they've never been able to come back. They'll just circle around and around and honk and honk. And it comes time to, to go back to their lands and they, nobody knows where to go. And he said, it puts me in mind of some of these formal morgues. These formal coal formal morgues. I hope that don't describe your church. Amen. Get so far back away from God, you don't know how to get back. You, you can't come back by creeds. You've got to have inspiration to lead your brother. And that inspiration comes by the Holy Ghost, led of the Spirit. Sons of God, daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. They love the Spirit. They don't try to say, now, wait a minute. My church don't say amen. That describes a lot of message churches now. My church, they never raise their hands. They're very quiet. Why, we'd give our pastor chills and fever if somebody hollered amen. Well, Brother Brandon said you ought to chill him up every once in a while. (laughs) Amen. He said what we need today is a good old heartfelt religion. Let me tell you something. If a baby's born, the baby don't cry. If it don't whine, if it don't open his little mouth and say a thing, nothing happens. You know what's the matter with the baby? He's born dead. He's, I think we got too many still births today in the church. Oh, you say, Brother Tim, that was back in the 50s. Brother Branham was preaching that after the seals in the, tree, in the Easter seal. Brother Branham uses the same analogy. He said, we got too many stillborn babies in the church. He said, why? He said, you have one born like that. He said, what do you do? A good doctor, he'll take and pat him on the rear like that until he gets him screaming out. He called that a good gospel protoplasmic stimulation. Amen. That's what he called it. Amen. A good paddling once a while. Amen. To where sin is preached so hard against and people realize, I need Jesus. And their conviction in the house of God and people weep their way to Calvary. We're talking about old time religion now. We don't want it no more. Well, the next thing he says, you know, he sends out a proclamation and he says, follow me. Whoever don't follow me and Samuel. Well, you heard Brother Branham say that. 
Well, you see, they want to still identify with the true prophet of God. But, but Saul did it to get them to follow him. So therefore, using a few select quotes from a true prophet, they deny anointed preachers. They deny gifts of the Spirit. They deny genuine experiences. They deny speaking in tongues. Well, everybody who speaks with tongues aren't saved. Well, it's true. Some of them are just sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Amen. But some are true. And there is a genuine Holy Ghost speaking in tongues that's always supposed to be in the church. That's from standing in the gap. Amen. Brother Branham, would say, Brother Branham tells us that. But, but let me just tell you, don't just go on one side of this. Say, well, everybody, that, you, know, you know, we got to have love, Brother Tim. You know, we'd rather have love because you can speak in tongues like men and angels. Yeah, but you could also know all the mysteries. You could also know all the mysteries. Come on, preach the other side of it too. So if you want to preach against speaking in tongues, preach against the mysteries too. Come on. Amen. I believe that we ought to have the mysteries. But you can know all the mysteries and still lack the love of God. That's his basic nature. So they they said, let all the people follow me and Samuel. See, he used the prophet's reputation to deceive the people. Do you know that go around and can you imagine using the prophet's own words to try to make him support two gods, two lords, two Jehovah's, two Jesus's? Using the prophet's own word to try to make him say the seven thunders are the seven virtues. That's what sons of Kish do. Amen, that's, that's what they do. But then when it comes around to genuine experience, they don't want nobody to have that. No, sir, you know, the evidence of the Holy Ghost is receiving what I preach. And the first thing you know, he's kicking, Christ is kicked out of the church. The king is rejected. Now I'm going over time right now. And I know you've been here and all day and it's, you're tired. But I preached this morning. You listened. You know, John Watson Wesley was preaching divine healing. You know, and now, now today, the Methodist church denies it. Here's a, here's a page from John Wesley's diary in the late 1700s. Sunday morning, May the 5th, a priest in St. Anne's was asked not to come back again. Sunday p.m. on May the 5th, the priest of St. John's and deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday evening, or Sunday morning on May the 12th, the priest of St. Jude's can't go back there either. Sunday p.m. May the 12th, the priest of St. George's and was kicked out again. Sunday a.m. May the 19th, the priest at St. Somebody Else's and the deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., a priest on the street, and I got kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May the 26th, I preached in the meadow and chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday a.m., June the 2nd, a priest on the, on the edge of town, I was kicked off the highway. 
Sunday p.m. June the 2nd, the afternoon service, I preached in the pastor. 10,000 people came to hear me. Somebody's going to hear the word. And a real gospel preacher ain't going to give up. Amen. He's going to keep preaching the word no matter how many times the king is rejected. Now, Brother Branham talked about Billy Graham. He calls him by name. He said he's the son of Kish. You see, he was never called of God. He was never out of the right tribe. He was educated, head and shoulder above all others, a fine man, a challenger of evangelism, and a Mohammedan challenged him. And when the Mohammedan challenged him and said, if your God is God, let him heal the sick like he said he would do. And the son of Kish with the rest of the army quietened himself, left the country defeated. Amen. It's a disgrace. Our God is God. One of the sons of Kish, head and shoulders above all the other evangelists, called by Muhammad the other day, challenged to the word of God, trembled in his shoes and left the ground. What's the matter? It's something besides theology. It has to bring the supernatural power of God and do it. He knew nothing about it, same as in the days of Saul. And I wonder today, if it ain't the same, we got good churches and we got lots of people and big crowds and lots of money and, you know, we, we can, we can uh, evangelize and we can send books out and we can build churches. But I say, where's the power of God? Where is divine healing? Amen. Where is salvation for the soul? Where is the power pouring out of the Holy Ghost? Where is it that the king is king? Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Amen. His word remains supreme. But all in this time, while Saul was building his army, while Saul was trying to establish his kingship, when he was trying to get ready to pass it on down to his sons and he was grooming his sons and we're going to be the king over Israel and out of our lineage and we'll have an intellectual kingdom that will out be greater than the others. While all of that is going on, I want you to know what happened. An evil spirit from the presence of God came on the man. God sent an evil spirit because if the, you won't let the Holy Spirit lead, He'll send an evil spirit to lead you. Come on. Amen. And when we see the same thing, an evil spirit that will say days of miracles are past. An evil spirit that says, well, you know, we just believe the message and we're, we got the Holy Ghost. An evil spirit. Scoffers in the last days. Saul's rising up. Somebody with me? Amen. Led by an evil spirit that would say evil about the movement of the Holy Ghost. That would condemn a youth camp like ours. Say, well, I tell you, it's changed, Brother Tim. I'll tell you how it started. It started out, amen, in in our meeting there at at Clara Springs, Louisiana. Let me tell you how it started out. It started out with the move of the Holy Ghost. Donnie Reagan preaching in the pulpit, and he was preaching the word, and the power of God hit young people, and the altars were full, and they wept their way to Calvary, and they shouted, and they danced up and down the aisles. And their lives were changed. And many of them, men and women, are still changed lives today. Wasn't no intellectual meeting. We're not going to have an intellectual meeting. 
And I'll tell you, if that's what you want, and that's what you're calling sane and sensible, keep your kids home. We're going to have the Holy Ghost move. We're going to have the King. We're going to have the power of God. We're going to have the Holy Ghost poured out. We're going to see young people transformed by the power of God. We're not going to teach psychology. We're going to teach them some neology where they sit down and meet God and their lives are changed and not reformed but transformed. But all while this were happening, there was a little David out there with the sheep unnoticed his daddy didn't even recognize him he's just out there among the sheep but while he was out there among the sheep a lion of a cancer come (laughs) hallelujah a lion of a cancer came but you see Little David was not a Saul. He had been anointed. He, oh, as he was singing, it, the anointing was on his songs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not fear the arrows by day or the arrows by night. I, I will not fear. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Here comes a roar of a cancer. Comes get one of his flock. Amen. David didn't run and hide like Saul. Amen. He wasn't no coward. He said, God sent me, and there ain't no devil going to take no child of God out on my watch. Amen. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and God shall raise them up. Amen. Hallelujah. A little David is saying, when the enemy comes in, tries to get one of our young people. Amen. Pull them down in pornography and sin. We're not going to let that happen on our watch. Hallelujah. That's going to be a praying church. There's going to be a people with a slingshot of faith. There's going to be a people that knows how to put the name of Jesus in their sling and let it go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the middle of all this, God's bringing forth the king. And I'll tell you, in the midst of Laodicea, in the midst of the confusion, God's bringing forth the king. The Lord of lords, the king of kings. Leading them by still waters and green pastures, mindful of father's sheep, And he knows the power of God to deliver them. God still got David somewhere. He got men of God somewhere. Oh, I'm thankful. I know many of them. Many of little Davids that are out there. They may be overlooked, but they're true shepherds. That feeds them Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if the enemy comes and grabs one of them, he knows the power of God. There's one thing I'll tell you. I may not know the philosophy. I may not know psychology. I don't care one bit about all of the man's ideas. But there's one thing I know. When the enemy come in after one of our sheep, we took the slingshot of faith against it. And we'll do it again and again and bring them safely back to health again. We need the leadership of the Holy Ghost. 
And I just want to warn every son of Kish that is out there throwing your spears, throwing your javelins at the anointing of God. You're doing this because you've received an evil spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Because when a man rejects the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God gave him an evil spirit to lead him. So when a man rejects the leading of the Holy Spirit or a person rejects the leading of the Holy Spirit, you've got a devil on you. And I just want to bear witness. If you hear one lashing out and dancing in the Spirit or this emotion, calling it Pentecostalism, I will tell you why they are throwing the spears. Because they have taken on an evil spirit and become a part of the scoffers in the last day instead of a part of the shout. Brother Branham said this. Notice that when his presence is near, certainly it brings emotion. Anything without emotion is dead. And any religion that hasn't got some emotion to it, you better bury it. It's dead. It brings emotion. Everywhere Jesus is, there's a lot of noise. Where God is, it makes a lot of noise. I don't know why it is, but they do. But anything without noise, without emotion is dead. That scientific and is your religion and got a little emotion to it. You better bury it because it's certainly dead. God hates a powerless religion. It's got to have power. It's a power that has saved a man from sin. And we've seen it. I could call them by name. Those that were out in horrible sins and trespasses. Amen. But it's a power to save from sins. It's a power to do signs and wonders. We've seen epilepsy cast out. Amen. We've seen demons have to flee. We've seen tormenting spirits have to leave. Amen. We've seen cancers go. We've seen eyes be healed. We've seen diabetes healed. We've seen miracles. We've seen signs because we serve a living God because God wants to perform. God wants to show himself alive. God wants divine healing among his people. But yet, we're told the day has passed. It's not the season for it. I got a video of a man who play who is a good man. He's a great son of Kish. Saying, you know, well, it's just not the season for divine healing. We get a miracle, hope for one now and then, but it just ain't the season for it. Well, when's it gonna be? When did God quit the healing business? I tell you when, same time he quit the saving business. If you don't save, you don't heal. Salvation on the body is the, is the same as salvation on the soul. Once it's the soul round, the others, the body round. Amen. So if there's going to be salvation on the soul, there has to be salvation for the body. Amen. You see, but it comes down to the point. Well, we don't want that no more. We want something more reformed. You see, sane and sensible and, you know, just really down pat. And, you know, we, 
teaching our people to dress the finest and God will bless your finances and we come in there and you know we're 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 going but they don't want an upper room experience. And they want to teach. Sons of Kish will teach. They'll teach that you receive the Holy Ghost like Mary did. When she conceived after the message of the angel, she got it without sensation. And that's the way we get the Holy Ghost today. Where'd you get that lie of the devil? You don't have a quote for it. The very things that the prophet said, he said, if you, have, if you will ever get to heaven, you'll get to heaven just like Mary did with the 120 in the upper room acting the same way they did, getting the Holy Ghost the same way they did, staggering and speaking in other tongues and dancing in the spirit and acting like a fanatic. Sons of Kish, if you ever get the Holy Ghost, your cup will run over. You ever get full of the Holy Ghost, you'll be like a drunk man. Some of you, can you imagine? Can you imagine that? The king has been rejected. They don't want him. We're no longer talking about Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. We're talking about church members. Don't want the king. But I want to be one of the lineage that brings back the king. Amen. Amen. I'm part of a group of people that still believes he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm a people believes that knows that he's God. I'm a people that knows he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know they know his power. They felt his power. They've experienced him. And they want others to experience it. They're going to bring forth the king. Quicken to life. Now, Brother Branham preaches the rejected king. And then he breaks into his vision. Because in bringing forth the king, is going to bring us into the kingdom. And I went one breath away. And there they were, white-robed, beautiful, no yesterdays or tomorrow, everyone perfect, one great big joy, and all filled with perfect love, the Holy Ghost. Right here on the edge of the king being rejected is the kingdom coming. Let's welcome the king. Let's prepare our hearts for the king. The king is coming. The king is coming. Amen. He's coming to be Lord over somebody's life. Let him be Lord over mine. He's going to be king over a church. Let him be the king over this church. No bishops, no popes. Amen. No man made leadership. No man called preachers. God bless you, Brother Edith, over there in South Africa listening in right now. It's way up in the wee hours of the morning. They said, we're opening all the doors and the windows, let the cool breezes come in so we'll stay awake. We want to be here to listen to the conclusion of the message. What is it? Hungry-hearted people. 
People around the world is calling out God. We want the king. While the world is rejecting him, we want the king. We come to this land more than a good church, more than a good home, more than a good marriage, more than good children. But the king to come to transform these bodies in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Welcome the king. Will you stand together with me? Raise your hands to him right now and just worship him just a moment. Invite him to come right now. In Jesus' name, right now, the king. The king. Amen. Invite him to come. Invite him to come by your pew right there. Say, Lord, I want you for a leader, Lord. I don't want to just take another. Lord, I don't want to just be a follower of a personality cult. And Brother Tim's a personality, you know, that we all follow and we all rally behind him and rah, rah. It ain't that. It's the king. Let him be the king over your heart. Is he Lord over your life? Is he Lord over you? Does it drive you to prayer? Does it cause you to to read his word? Are you just living a denominational life? It's more than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just invite him in to be your king tonight. Amen. It's a great song, but I want to change it into my heart. Come into my heart. Won't you just, just worship with me just a moment? You just invite him to you right now, right where you are. So I'm going to start this new year out communing with you. I'm going to start this year out with a fellowship. Sweetness of the Holy Ghost just bathing me down, washing out unbelief. The Holy Spirit in His sweetness. Oh God, He knows we're not one just a people that just jump and yell and scream and bodily exercise. That's not what we want. We want to worship the King. We want Him to be Lord. We want him to be Lord. Invite him today. Bring forth the king. Let my womb, the womb of my heart, let the womb of my heart be a place for the seed to come that brings the king. Let the kinsman redeemer do his work. Because next... It's going to be the kinsman adventure. Will he avenge the earth for all the evil that's been done? But right now, while it's not the wrath of the lamb, where is his mercy? Why don't you make the lamb king of your life? Just invite him in. Say, into my heart. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus.
table of the Lord. We'll be worshiping you as we take the communion. Lord, a little couple over in Alabama, they don't have a church to go to. The elderly up in years. And while we are here tonight, they've said, we're preparing the bread. We're going to take it when you take it, Brother Tim. Lord, you see those shut-ins there. Belonging of their heart. Will you meet with them, Lord, as they take the communion too? Around the world, Lord, wherever your people are, bring them into that communion with you. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Do the work of grace in hearts and lives. Lord, if there's sin in our lives, forgive us. May we not be like that man who just say, I repent of my sins only to go back again, but let us leave them behind. Serve the living God with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, listen very carefully. Some of you have never taken communion with us. Maybe this is the first time in our communion service. We don't believe in a closed communion. It's for all believers. So you're welcome to come to the table of the Lord tonight. But your heart should be right with God and you should have received of his precious gift of his spirit. And you can commune with him. What you're doing tonight is taking the bread and you're testifying I'm part of a body, a loaf. You're taking of the wine and you're saying, you're proclaiming before the audience, before God, I have drunk of the wine, the life from the grapevine. He was squeezed out for me. 
and his life has been poured out and I'm taking now that life by symbolic I'm showing I have taken that life into me and I am taking this anew I am coming down to the table of the Lord to proclaim before this congregation my sins are under the blood and I am serving the Lord and I'm part of this loaf and I take part of this loaf to become a part of me because I'm a part of that body. I'm drinking of this wine because it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit and I have drank of it. But I ask to God in the filling of it, make me realize I'm more than ever part of this word, part of this body. And I'm more than ever want to drink of that cup. Lord, till I'm so drunk on it, till the world and all that is there just fades away. Amen. Till I, I go and from this day on with Christ as the king of my life, proclaiming the world. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to bless, pray over the bread and the wine. We will be forming a couple of lines. The deacons will come by the row. They will call your row. You will walk down here, whichever side of the building you're on. I believe we come from, from this way and you meet here. We have, we have the, the trays. We have the, the, the bread. It's all from one loaf. It was made with Holy Ghost hands. It's not some store-bought something. We have the wine that is the kosher wine for Passover. Represents the blood, the, the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not grape juice and light bread. It's not some unsanctified or unholy thing. We're going to dedicate it to God. And you dedicate yourself as you take it. Now as you take it, you will walk right down toward those double doors. To the right hand side, will be the men over in this hall. There's chairs set up with basins for you to wash one another's feet. Over here, the ladies will do it. Now, I know there's sometimes there's elderly and handicapped and you can't get down and wash feet. We understand. God understands. Don't try to make this a law. We're under grace. God knows your heart. He knows you would be right down there doing it if you could. But I pray tonight that you'll realize there's healing in the cup and in the communion. And as you take it, that you'll claim your healing for your body or even for your wounded spirit or healing wherever it's needed. Now I'm going to go down now and I'm going to read the scripture. In a moment, We'll put on a different type of music. Let the musicians take a part in this service. In fact, I'm going to dismiss them now. I'm going to ask the brothers if they'll come down with me right now as we come to the table of the Lord. And as we, we bring this, I'm going to read the scripture to you, and then I'm going to let you have your seats. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it 
and said, Take heat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not realizing we're not here playing church. This is serious business. For this cause... Many are sick and weakly among us, or weak and sickly among us, and some are dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. God bless you. You can have your seats. If you will take and just turn on this soft music just for a moment just going to prepare the table of the Lord I know there's a lot of different questions, a lot of different ideas. Brother Branham used the tray. When this church was small, he used the cup. But this all came from one vessel. It represents a a multi-membered body. You can even see on the tape where Brother Branham used the tray. I realize that some people get very, very legalistic they say we must all drink out of one cup to be doing this scripturally. But if that's so, then we must all wash in one foot washing pan and use one towel for everybody here. This is not about legalism. This is about a sacred service to the Lord. Now, we're going to pray. Father... I want to thank you for this that represents your, bre- your body and your blood. I want you to thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ that forgives us of all sins. And that our sins are under the blood. I want to thank you, Lord, for this wine and this bread. I want you to tonight, Lord, to come in that marvelous way and reveal yourself personally to each one. And as they take the communion... For them to resolve in their heart, this day starts a new communion with you. A new fellowship, a greater love than I've ever had before, that you be king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And like I said, the deacons will be calling first the musicians because they'll be coming back for the, for the service what you will do is when you come from foot washing, you come right back into the auditorium together for the dismissal. So it works just really perfectly as we come. 
You come expecting the Lord to meet you here as you fulfill his word. Everyone tarry one for the other and just pray. As you're in your seat, just prepare your heart for this moment in time.